Welcome back to another episode of Poison for Profit. I'm Nick. And I'm Zach. Got some really amazing, great articles again for you guys today. Uh, Some great news. Everything you've been hoping for. Your hub for environmental science. Judge in Montana revived a limit on wolf killing near Yellowstone Park. Uh, so originally there was some outrage and backlash because there was about 23 wolves that were from a pack of wolves in Yellowstone Park that were killed. So the history on that is they reintroduced yellow, uh, wolves to Yellowstone because of a lot of the overpopulation issues that they were having with uh, basically the prey species of wolves. Um, basically, the elk were eating way too much of the vegetation, uh, and the ecosystem just was not functioning as it should be. Uh, and so they actually did a lot of research on this wolf pack in Yellowstone and found that they were helping keep the population at a uh, more maintainable, healthy limit. Uh, but so that once the entire ecosystem, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, just, I know like one of the big things that they found is that, uh, the rivers actually weren't flooding as badly because the elk weren't eating all the vegetation that was near the river. Because I mean, if I was an elk, I'm just going to eat and drink in the same spot. <laughs> right. But then yeah, there's the, so many of them. Yeah, exactly. Those rivers became, I mean, the wolves also need to drink. So the rivers became a little bit more dangerous for, uh, those animals to be at. So yeah, it reduces erosion, helps soil health. Exactly. Um, so that just, it just kind of goes to show how important one species can be in the ecosystem. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, th- this, I mean, people were kind of outraged in the first place that there were even any allowable wolf uh, hunting at all, but uh, I do kind of agree with some of it because we need to keep all populations in check nowadays, it seems like, um, but definitely the ones that are radio collared, uh, you know, and part of this, to me, it's still an ongoing study. I think there should be some more protections for. Um, So basically what this limit does is they were allowing um, hunters to kill up to 20 wolves each. So 10 from hunting and 10 from trapping. And the way that they trap wolves uh, is through snares, which a lot of people feel is inhumane, which I tend to agree with. Trapping is kind of crazy, yeah. <laughs> when you think about like what it is, hundred yeah, like, percent. I mean, yeah. it's just basically choking them to death. Choking them to death, or they starve. Yeah, yeah whatever it depends on what you're trapping, but yeah, yeah. And so, 
Yeah, that that those both of those were limited with this uh, judge's ruling. So this was the state district court judge, Christopher Abbott. Um, so he returned the limit to uh, five for wolves killed per person, and then he also blocked the use of snares when trapping. Uh, season begins November twenty eighth. So. Uh, a lot of people are pretty happy about this. Obviously, the this was imposed by a Republican-led uh, controlled state, so that's where a lot of these limits came from originally. So there's been some backlash from that party. Uh, one of those people, I think you'll like this, Zach, is the governor of Montana, basically saying that it's overstepping his bounds just to align with extreme activists. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> but the funny part is is that he, this governor, Greg Gianfort, uh, actually had trapped and killed a radio-collared wolf from Yellowstone last year on private land near the park. Uh, and he was actually given a warning because he violated the state hunting <laughs> rules by killing the wolf without first taking a mandatory trapper education course so i just think it's pretty hilarious he's criticizing this judge while doing the wrong thing (laughs) yeah i mean it's not exactly surprising i would say and um i guess the debate around wolf um i think people who want to shoot wolves try to call it population control um but the argument usually is around protecting livestock um, and whether that's, you know, justifiable or not isn't isn't for, you know, any one person, I guess. It's a debate to be had. But, um, yeah, the whole wolf debate, protecting them, allowing hunting or killing at all, that's one of the more heated debates in all of, you know, hunting itself yeah i mean i think it has a lot of different avenues in which people argue for or against it i mean i mean just in my mind it's at least i i have never met anyone that's eaten wolf i'm sure people do but it's not really a a, a animal that you go to fill your freezer for um, yeah it, and I, I definitely agree, like, um, some of it could be population control, uh, which is why they were basically eradicated in the, like, 1920s is because wolves were so aggressive and uh, all over the place, but... Yeah, and for pelts and things like that, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but I just feel like as if we're trying to reintroduce them to basically all of the United States because they don't have much of a range here anymore. Uh, We should probably at least leave the ones that we're researching at the national park alone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you're, I mean, like we said, trapping is pretty, uh, pretty brutal in of of itself. Um, But yeah, Trapping wolves, you don't really have any control over which ones you're trapping. And I don't know if it's possible or if it's safe to even (laughs) release 
trapped wolves. Yeah, you got to get pretty close. Get close to that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, there's a reason they're being studied. Um, There should be protections on those individual wolves at the very least. Right, and I just think it's one of those things we need to um, definitely take extra care in uh, how we manage it because. I mean, the, the like they were gotten rid of in the 1920s, 1930s by government-sponsored. Um, they basically like poisoned and trapped all the wolves to death. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, knowledge of, of ecosystem dynamics back the keystone then. Keystone species yeah. and yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Uh, oh, I guess the other thing I want to say about this is that this. Uh, is just a temporary um, limit that the judge was able to put in place. Uh, it's not going to um, be like a permanent thing, but it uh, set the groundwork so that they can have a hearing on the matter for um, his counties that he's, I guess, a judge of. I don't really know how all the judge stuff works, but... Yeah. Um, so I think that... At least he got those temporary uh, limits in before the trapping and hunting season started. This is a story from last week in... uh Southeast England. Southern uh, Water Company, I guess. Southern Water. Uh, <laughs> it has um, been found out that the company has discharged raw sewage into 83 bathing beaches, um, which I assume is just like tourist beaches, but some kind of British terminology, I guess. I don't know. Um <laughs> Yeah, so they discharged raw sewage into 83 beaches over the first eight days of November, uh, which totals out to about 3,700 hours of dumping. Uh, And uh, the amount that they ended up dumping was equivalent to five months of raw sewage. That is Um, so much poop water. Yeah, and it's upset people, obviously. Um, That's pretty disgusting. Yeah. in all of 2021, they uh, actually dumped 160,000 hours uh, into the beaches. I feel like this is something you hear hear about in like our textbooks. That is like, oh yeah, they were just dumping yeah. gasoline into the river. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, I they, it seems like they don't really have a plan for the raw sewage, right? That's what it makes you think. The the reasoning for it, I guess, is to prevent... They've had a lot of rainfall, uh, and it's to prevent flooding into homes and, and schools and businesses. And they say that of the discharge, like 95% is rainwater, but it's still like 5% raw sewage. It's like one one out of, what, 20 parts is raw sewage? Yeah. Well, and isn't that like still a terrible reason? Isn't yeah? What do you no, think yeah. that that water that they're dumping it into is also connected to where they're worried about flooding? 
So then it's just going to flood with the raw sewage. Yeah, yeah. Because they're dumping it into rivers. Yeah, right. They're not testing the water quality either. Uh, just seasonally, is they only test it during swimming months, which is May through the end of September. Um, so there's n- no real way to tell what, you know, the the biological consequences are of dumping all this um and what the effect will be on marine life um on i guess the people right living on the coast uh it's just i mean it's just so much raw sewage i couldn't like 493 times in eight days that's just Uh, i'd be so furious and it's yeah. not even like this. I feel like we should be hearing about this coming from like a less developed country. Um, not you would to think like throw so, them right? Under the bus or anything, but yeah, but they don't have like. You would think England has some decent infrastructure to handle their sewage. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't. I just don't even understand how. Uh, yeah. Came to this, this is the best way to deal with this. I, I mean, I don't even know like w- w- how to critique it. Almost, it's just <laughs> that that mind blowing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's not like they're just. I don't know. It's like a place where no one goes. You know. At least I could maybe be like, oh, I guess okay. But this is a bathing beach, a swim beach. It's. It's where yeah. people do go. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, maybe not this time of year, but yeah, I mean, like, this is, these are high, you know, density tourist areas, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm so with you, though. I don't know how to critique it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, so Southern Water has a pollution alert map um, for the public to see, I guess, just some, some kind of attempt at transparency. Um which I don't know they they admit that it's not it's they're doing it way too much. It's just kind of like this thing where there's no way for them to help it at this point. Um, you know what I mean like like they're saying <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, so this is the way like this quote there's this quote from the the head of the company's clean rivers and seas task force he says these discharges are heavily diluted typically being 95 percent of rainwater and are permitted by the environment agency however we know that these are not acceptable and this is why we are working hard to reduce them across our region okay so two things out of that how is this permitted by your environmental protection agency yeah and they uh, literally <laughs> admitted that they're not, they know it's bad yeah, these are not acceptable. Yeah, they're working hard. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen from the searching I've done any sort of plan for them to improve this. I yeah, I don't. I don't even know what to say. If you're uh, living in Bexhill, England, and you're listening to this, I would not go bathing at your beaches. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're well aware. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I'd I'd love to hear, like, what the people actually from that area think of this. 
Okay, so they had a bunch of water supply interruptions, pollution incidents, and internal sewer flooding that resulted in them being ordered to make reductions to bills um, totaling 28.3 million pounds. Holy I God. mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess all I can say on the end that one is that I know where I'm not going to vacation. <laughs> yeah, no joke. have three different articles tonight but we're ending with a pretty big one uh, the president-elect of brazil gave a speech at cop 27 uh, lula uh, who is he was president of brazil originally from 2003 to 2010 uh, but he's now recently re re-elected Going, so they're going from a far-right uh, predecessor to now him who's more left-leaning. Uh, and he just gave a speech at COP27 that was getting huge praises, actually, from Brazilians, uh, the media. And I think there's quite a, a lot in it that is very good if they keep up with it, uh, as Zach and I have talked earlier. And previous pod, <laughs> podcast episodes how we don't really expect a lot out of cop 27 but this did actually seem good to me um so i'm just going to start with a quote lula said today i'm here to say that brazil is ready to join once again the effort to build a healthier planet brazil has just ended elections one of the most decisive in history it was followed in an unprecedented way by other countries it could help control the rise of authoritarian right and climate deniers around the world. So to me, that just shows that he is, you know, looking to get this the Amazon rainforest under control. Um, he's preserve not, it, yeah. Not, yeah, he's trying to preserve it, and he's calling out the climate deniers, which to me is huge. There's still people that are denying that climate change is happening. Um, yeah. I, I know I said I never wanted to talk about this conference again. Uh, but I, yeah, Lula is one of the, the leaders who uh, we are actually able to kind of get it, be encouraged about, who I think just this change from his predecessor to now, um, that it, it will make a difference, definitely. Yeah, and I actually saw in my research uh, a graph that showed the deforestation of uh, rates in Brazil when he began his presidency in the 2000s and he reduced them from about uh, 30,000 square kilometers lost to when he was getting out of office in 2010 to about I'd say 7 kilometers or 7,000 square kilometers lost uh, so he was working pretty hard to reduce those uh, deforestation rates then. So I, I definitely think that he will be yeah. a man of his word. Is there, does he have plans to, like, reforest? Uh, yes, he does. Okay. Um, I'm trying to find this other quote I want to read. 
Yeah, I didn't have much time to sift through this one, but... Uh, oh, here's another quote I was going to read is, We need more resources for a problem that was created by rich countries, but disproportionately felt by the most vulnerable. I would like to remind you that rich countries said they would raise $100 billion at COP15 in Copenhagen to help the less developed countries face climate change. So he's calling out right there... <laughs> The, the, you know, false promises made at these cop events. Uh, he's also calling out how, uh, at least to me, it seems that the Amazon rainforest has been used by richer countries to help prop themselves up. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, and that's kind of when we talk about. Western companies coming in and, and starting to control um, different markets in these other developing countries. Um, this is kind of what we're talking about. This is the reason the reason this deforestation is happening is to make room for those companies, whether it's agriculture or uh, or oil or anything like that, to to produce for those companies to then export to rich countries, right? I really do feel like this is probably one of the better speeches. I'm I'm actually planning on going back and listening to the whole speech, hopefully. Um, just so if I missed anything <laughs> that's not in this article I'm reading. but um, yeah. Uh, And yeah, I, I do really have a lot of hope for Lula in Brazil. Yeah, me too. Um, he's definitely seems to be a much better uh, figure. Um, seems to yeah. have done quite a lot for the environment in Brazil. Um, Speaking of COP27, there's this article, like a type of warning, I guess, but was Mexico will try to deceive the world at COP27, experts warn. Um, which I just thought was kind of funny. It's like, what real power does Mexico have? You know, like they're they're I mean they're a pretty, country pretty similar to Brazil in terms of how their relationship with the rest of the world is. Um, in right. fact, it's, they probably got a little bit less power than Brazil has. Yeah, um, and not to undermine everything we just said about Lula. Uh, but it's like all the countries are trying to <laughs> deceive us. I feel like yeah, the cop events. <laughs> yeah, it's like because they want to control their own resources. Um, it's basically people will start to say that uh, they're not fully committed to reducing global emissions when you know when they don't want to let American companies come in and. Um, you know, mine all their their lithium uh, <laughs> basically for free, right? Right. Which is one of the reasons um, they say that Mexico is trying to deceive the world is uh, they have not invested in um, as much lithium extraction as other certain countries want them to. Yeah, and that's just just like uh, Lula said in this speech, I mean, it's the richer countries that are coming for this lithium because of the huge push for 
uh, lithium for electronic vehicle batteries. Um, yeah. So yeah. again, it right. seems like the same history repeating itself. Yeah, and it, it's happened on pretty much every continent in human history is where rich countries come in, they extract, they take it for themselves, and, you know, there's no benefit for the people who live in these countries that they're taking from. This is actually interesting. So in the, in, in the same article where they're warning that they're deceiving the world, um, <laughs> they admit that the Environment Ministry of Mexico uh, said that the country is raising its target to cut greenhouse gas emissions to 30% by 2030, um, which is 8% more than what the Paris goal was. Oh, wow. So Yeah, so I guess it all depends on who you believe, right? Yeah, so it's like, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's what do you believe out of this? Yeah, I mean, I just don't know how you can you can have it both ways where this whole conference is kind of about people claiming things that they've never lived up to anyways, right? And then you go you come and then you single one country out. Yeah, and it seems to always be developing countries. They yeah, it's like never, the global south, yeah. They're not focusing on themselves and by them and those people I'm talking about, you know, like the developed nations. So like United States, England, uh, UK, uh, you know, the big powerhouses <laughs> of the world. It seems right. like they're always calling out other places and wanting to go there and fix things. But it's like we have our own problems, too. <laughs> yep. Alright, that's all we had today. It was a bit of a short notice um, episode. Not short notice, but uh, I guess short lead time from our last recording. But um, a couple of things that you know were good to talk about. I actually kind of enjoyed talking about COP27 this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, for once. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Uh, again, Follow us on Twitter at poisoned the number four profit. Uh, you can email us at the same email address as that poisoned the number four profit. Um, and uh, also let us know what uh, if there's any other platforms you want to hear us on. Yeah, and then I was just going to also throw in there any comments uh, if you can rate us on like Spotify help if you're enjoying the podcast let us know if you're not enjoying something or would like to see something different let us know we're more than open to suggestions constructive criticism just trying to make this a great podcast for everybody yep send us topics to for us to cover um would be greatly appreciated and with that uh we thank you guys again for listening and have a good rest of your night that plume that you've seen on the drone footage there will be fecal matter it won't be the lumps of it it's gone through a screen um, but it's still um, 
is still carrying lots of bacteria and viruses which can make us ill if we're swimming in the water. And of course it came, contains lots of chemicals as well, our surfactants and biocides, anything that road runoff, oils from your car, um, the pharmaceuticals that we take that don't get fully broken down in us, they all just wash over our wildlife and can have quite dramatic effects on quite them dramatic as well. Effects on quite them dramatic effects on them. Quite dramatic effects on them. Quite dramatic effects on them.